winded. I do have a message that probably has the potential to be long because it is a doctrinal type message. If you will take your Bible, we've been preaching a series of messages out of 2 Timothy. Take your Bible to 2 Timothy. We're going to address, we've been preaching a series on sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. And uh, if you're trying to figure out what our church is about, one, we believe in involvement of the youth. I want the youth involved. You see the future of the church standing here being taught and learning how to sing, how to interact, how to be givers in the house of God, not just takers. But number two, we're going to be doctrine heavy in this church. That's uh, biblical. And I understand that goes against the grain of the modern day church. The modern day church looks to be entertained. They don't want sound doctrine. And the Bible says that that time, in the end time, in the last days, that that church group would not want sound doctrine. They would not endure it. And that means that they would leave churches that would preach sound doctrine because they think it's boring, they think it's non-essential. And they would be led astray... As the world gets prepared to worship Satan, they would fall right in hand with it, even the very elect being deceived by doctrines of devils. The Bible's full of that. And so we have been preaching on what is sound doctrine. And of course, this week, I could have preached there in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, where he begins to talk about faithfulness. Faithfulness is part of sound doctrine in the church, and it is something that has been forgotten. But I'm skipping ahead because today is our homecoming. And I want to talk about uh, a sound doctrine that needs to be addressed in the day and age that we live, because there are many scoffers, and the Bible says there would be scoffers that would rise up and would say, where is the promise of His coming? And I will tell you this, that Jesus is coming again. And I'm not talking about when He comes riding on the right horse. Uh, that's going to happen too. That's the second coming. I'm talking about the catching away of the saints, the bride of Christ. This church, we believe in what we call pre-trib rapture. We're not all millennialists. We're not post-millennialists. You say, oh my soul, what is all that? That's just big fancy words that people throw around to try to make you think they know more about the Bible than you do. Now, there are actual words and, and doctrines of people that believe in that. And just because someone doesn't believe exactly like you when it comes to the catching of these saints doesn't mean they're lost, it, but it does mean they're ignorant. And the Bible says over there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Be ye not ignorant. You say, what's that mean? He says, Be not dumb. And you say, boy, there you go again. Well, I'm hangry. <laughs> as soon as I get a little chicken in me, I'll be friendly again. I'll be nice. Now let's read a few of these verses. Now we've sprung board out of chapter 4, verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And we're living in that day. Now let's go to chapter 2, which should be right across the page from you. And we'll begin to read here in chapter 2 in about verse 15. I believe that to be a fitting place to start. There are no accidents with the Lord. Look what he starts with. Study. Boy, that's a forgotten word today. So your Bible is telling you to study. 
to show yourself approved or to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. A comment on that is if you can rightly divide it, the opposite of that meaning you could wrongly divide it. And he is telling us not to wrongly divide it by telling us to rightly divide it. And then he goes on to say, but shun. He says you need to avoid profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, the apostle Paul, and yes, it is biblical to be a name caller. And the Apostle Paul, an apostle writing this book, he's calling out some false teachers in his day. Boy, people get all upset when you start calling out false preachers and false teachers. Look, the church needs to be warned. Uh, you would want to be warned if someone was trying to con you or pull the wool over your eyes or a devil was trying to lead you astray. I hope that you would. I believe that the child of God would. And so he's calling these men out right here by name. He says, Hymenaeus and Philetus, now let's look at the air that they were propagating, who concerning the truth have erred. So he says, we have the truth, but these guys are peddling the air, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Now let's, let's read the next verse. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Let us pray this morning. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you. Lord, help us this morning as we preach the word of God. Be with everything that we do today. Let it all be glorifying to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. One quarter of your Bible is prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled, things to come. The doctrine of the rapture, and that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about there was a time coming and it started in their day. You said, well, the word rapture ain't there. No, you won't find the word rapture in the Bible. But the word rapture, its definition is there. And let me tell you why there's great confusion on the catching away of the saints. Now, you will find that phrase. That phrase is there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll get to that today. But why it's been a point or a doctrine with a lot of confusion is we're always viewing it from the standpoint of the living in these days, and how it was laid down, is the catching away of the saints was part of a resurrection. And that's why so many people miss it. One quarter of your Bible is about Bible prophecy on things to come. The rapture is very, very important. Uh, it's as important of a doctrine as the bodily resurrection of Christ. And while we're here, 
Let's just go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're, we're going to do a little turn in this morning because this will be more of a doctrinal type of a message on the catching away of the church. He said, why would you preach that on homecoming? Because <laughs> here's how I remember the catching away of the church. There's a marriage supper of the Lamb. That's right. See, as soon as we're caught out of here, there's going to be a judgment seat of Christ. That's not going to take the full seven years of the tribulation. After we get past who's getting the rewards and who didn't get rewards and so on and so forth, we're going immediately to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I don't know about you, but I like buffets. I like suppers. And I like buffet style. And this is going to be a meal unlike any other meal. And I got news for you. I get a little angry when people try to tell me that there is no such thing as the marriage supper of the Lamb. There is no such thing as the rapture of the church. I get a little upset because I think I'm going to miss a meal. How dare you threaten my food? I get like I get when I'm on a diet. I get real angry and hangry. You think a grizzly bear's bad. You put me on a diet and put me down around 18, 1,800 calories a day, and I will turn into a grizzly. Probably more like a polar bear, because they say they're the most ferocious bears out there, especially when they've been starving for about six months. Mm. And so we get over there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now watch this. He's talking about the resurrection. I'm going to pull this together. I'm going to show you why in the Bible the rapture appears as a resurrection. You say, what is he talking about? Why were these guys talking like that? Well, let me show you before you go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, go to Revelations 20, verse, uh, verse 20. Revelations chapter 20. Now, this is at the end of the trib, somewhere around the end of the trib. Now, watch this, and I want you to get the, the language here. Verse 4, and I saw thrones. And they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. Now he's talking about the people that die in the tribulation reign for not taking the mark of the beast. They won't be able to buy or sell, you know, but they'll get a little more uh, insistent that you take that mark. And if you won't take it, they'll cut your head off. You see, folks, what we're experiencing today, I told you, I made a phrase. The world is being prepared to worship Satan. Now, what I'm getting, don't, don't mistake what I'm saying. The vaccine is not the mark of the beast. That's not the mark of the beast. Whether you take it or whether you don't, that's totally up to you. That's a private matter, and that's a medical matter, and that's, that's something that you do. But what I'm worried about is the precedence, the phraseology that these people are using. You're not going to take part of in, our, in our economic system if you're not vaccinated. Now that bothers me. And you say, why? Because that is a conditioning. They're going to condition the people. I told you the world's being prepared to worship Satan. And you're being conditioned right now to begin to accept the dictates of one man, which will be the Antichrist. And when he rolls up on the scene, which will be after the rapture, he's going to say, you don't take my mark. You think these boys were bad. 
you just lost your job if you didn't get vaccinated. I'm going to chop your head off. And I'll have my little enforcers that go door to door to make sure. You say, that wouldn't happen in America. There's a lot of things I didn't think would happen in America that's been going on these last 18 months. Don't tell me it ain't happening. And guess what? It didn't take 20 years. There's been more change in the last 18 months than in the last 35, 40 years that I've been alive. And so these were people that lost their head for not taking the mark. And he says they're witness for Jesus and for the Word of God. If you have a copy of the Bible, they'll cut your head off. Well, you say, brother, that's already happened. Yeah, it's happened in our history. Yes, through the dark ages. Just for having a Bible. That's why I like waving our Bible when we sing that song, Hold the Fort. Well, let me get on. He says, and they're his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. There's that thousand year reign of Christ that's literal, not figurative. Watch it. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. There's our phrase. So these guys were teaching that that resurrection was past already. What he was saying was that Jesus had already come, there had been a rapture, it was over, and we were in the millennial reign. That's called all millennialism. Now here's the problem with that theology. We're 2,000 years past the cross. And a millennium, the last time I checked, was only 1,000 years. So they're 1,000 years off and wrong in their doctrine. And he says this teaching of all millennialism was overthrowing the faith of some. And so we need to get into the Bible and find out what is the sound doctrine. Now go back to 1 Thessalonians. Because this was not a silent topic. This is not a topic or a doctrine where there is no verses of Scripture on it. So it could be my view, your view, nobody's view. No, this is what God says. Sound doctrine means right living, but it also means sound speech that cannot be refuted. And so he says here in verse 14, well, go to verse 13, the number of rebellion. Numerology is important in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, here's where I got that phrase, don't be dumb. But I would not have you to be ignorant. Well, a synonym for the word ignorant is dumb. He says, I would not have you to be dumb. We can fix dumb. We can fix ignorance. I'll be nice. <laughs> Brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Watch how he begins to lay this out. Because there was loved ones that were passing on that had gotten saved and they died. And so these guys were teaching, hey, it, there's no hope. It's, it's over. The resurrection is past. And he says, which sleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Watch what he does. For if we believe, now watch how he puts the emphasis. He brings us back into what is important, that Jesus died and rose again. Look at the next word, even so. So just as important as the resurrection of Christ is what he's getting ready to tell us about this resurrection, which we call the catching away of the saints. He said, even so. So the same emphasis is placed on us going out before the trib. 
Them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Okay? Then he says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. But here's the phrase that everybody leaves out. Everybody talks about, well, preacher, us living, we, we, we get caught up, uh, the rapture, and we emphasize the living. But he says, but the dead in Christ shall raise first. He says, what is he teaching? He's telling you that the catching away of the saints is a resurrection. We keep in, we overemphasize the catching away of the living and totally lose sight of what is actually going on. That the people, the dead in Christ that have died before God comes to get us, he's bringing them back with him and we're going to meet him in the air. But he says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. God gives them a head start. You know, if you ever, if you ever raced, and someone might have a slower car than you, if they still race, they'll give you, they give them a head start. And me and these people are six feet farther away from the clouds than we are. God says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. They get the green light first. But what I wanted you to see is that this is an, a resurrection and we had some men that were hurting the church by saying, it's already passed. You say, preacher, why would they say that? Why would they teach that? Well, I'll tell you why. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. I'm going to show you why. Now, I don't know if you picked it up. I didn't point it out. I was supposed to. There in Revelations where he says, Blessed is he that hath his part in the first resurrection. Did you remember that phrase that I read over there in Revelations? Blessed is he that hath his part. Say, why did you bring that out? Because that word part, see, it's the little words that we miss that mean so much. The word part means to have a piece of, you see. That means there could be other parts, especially when you're doing fractions. And by the way, there's a part missing out of Jenny's peanut butter pie. <laughs> because one of my jobs is I am a taste tester. That, that would have been one of my dream jobs. I, as you see, I probably wouldn't have lived very long. <laughs> you see these guys that do these cooking shows. They eat more food than you can shake a stick at, but yet they're not, they're, not, they're not fat. There's something wrong with that. Or as I found out, uh, everybody, what, so somebody feed Phil, that guy. I found out why he's skinny. He runs 10 miles every day. You would have to because there's no way I could eat what he ate and not be fat. Well, look at me. I just had one part of that pie. And so uh, that means there's, other parts in that pie pan that somebody else could take part of. That word part is really important. But here's, <laughs> here's why these men were saying that the resurrection was already passed. 
Matthew chapter 27, you need to get this. You need to understand this. That's why we got to study to show ourselves approved. Now watch this. He's talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 52, verse 51, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened. Okay, watch what happens. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Ah, well, preacher, that's a resurrection. Yeah, I didn't say that Hymenaeus and Philetus didn't have any Bible. You see, but the problem is, you can't pull one verse of Scripture out of its context and build your little doctrine while it contradicts with the rest of the Bible. Yeah, there's, there's scriptural backing on that. There was a resurrection when Jesus rose from the dead. Watch this. And the bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after His resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many and say, Oh, my soul preacher. Well, right there it is. You're just proving Philetus and Hymenaeus right. No, I said there was a part. Now take your Bible to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. You see, you got to pay attention to the little words. Like part, resurrection, catching away, don't be dumb. He, he said, it's a mystery. A mystery is something that could be foggy. And there's nothing like the Word of God that can clear it up for you. At one time, this was foggy. you got to understand, Philetus and Hymenaeus, they didn't have the completed Word of God. So it's easy to make fun of these guys because they didn't have Revelations 20 yet. Now, they had 1 Corinthians, but they were definitely standing opposed to the preaching and teaching of sound doctrine. And they were doing it with malicious intent to hurt people. The Bible says there in 1 Thessalonians 4 that knowing that the rapture is coming and God is going to get us out of here before the tribulation is a comfort. I don't know about you. It's a lot of comfort knowing that however bad this gets, we're not, even, we're not even in the tribulation. It's going to get a lot worse. And I take comfort in the fact knowing that God is getting me out of here before that thing goes down. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, we'll get to that. If I can't preach it today, we'll preach part two. But I need you to see this in the Word of God. These guys were saying there is no rapture. They were all millennial in their teaching, and it was not right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he begins to say this. There in about verse, let me get there. Verse 14, now this comes on the heels. Again, he addresses the importance of the gospel, death, burial, body, resurrection. Jesus arose from the grave in his glorified body, not a spirit, a body. It had flesh and bone, according to Scripture. Remember when he told Thomas? He says, Thomas didn't believe it. He says, I think it's a spirit. He said, it, I know it's Jesus, but it looks different. That's a spirit. He says, Thomas, handle me and see. Handle me. And so Thomas handled him. He put his fingers in, his, in, the, in the hand prints, the nail prints in his hand, and he put his hand in his side. So the wounds were still there, but he could feel his bones. He could feel the flesh. Oh, it was a body. 
was a resurrected body. Now let me get to this. He says, now, he said, look, verse 14, If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. So believing in the resurrection of Christ is a necessity before you can be born again. You have to believe that Christ bodily arose from the dead before you can be saved. He says, if that doesn't happen, the preaching's vain. And then he says, and yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. Now come on down. Verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits. Did you catch it? Now he also likens this resurrection to a harvest. You say, why would God do that? Well, I'll tell you why. God uses illustrations that His people can relate to. This was an agricultural country and a time. And we all understand when it comes to harvest that when you plant a garden, you have what we call first fruits. There are things that get ripe before the main harvest. And He says here that Christ, when He rose from the dead, over there in Matthew chapter 27, and there was people that rose from the dead with him. You say, who they, were they? Well, we don't have time this morning, but if you got over there in Ephesians chapter 4, those were Old Testament saints that had, were down in paradise living in Abraham's bosom. They could not go to heaven because the blood had not been shed yet. But since the blood had been shed... Christ goes down into the lower parts of the earth and the Bible literally says he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And so when he come up, they come up with him and he took them right to heaven with him. That was the Old Testament saints. And yes, it was a catching away. A lot of times when I deal with people, they say, I don't believe in a rapture or this. Most, 90% of most people Believe in a mid-tribulation rapture. Have you heard that? And that's that one over there in Revelations. You want to know why they believe in that one, but they can't see none of the others? Because there's a lot of scripture about that one. And it's the main one. But my first question to these people is, how many raptures do you think there are in the Bible? And this is just one. And so now we see that part of the problem is they've already got it into their mind that there's only one. What about Enoch? Enoch was not. He was raptured out. It's a rapture. Catching away. The Bible says the word translated. That is another word. It's another descriptor. That means rapture. Translated. What about Elijah? Elijah was caught out in a chariot of fire. What about him? What about Christ and those Old Testament saints? I've given you three already, but then we got the main harvest. That's why he says Christ was the first fruits of this first resurrection. See, there's two resurrections. A lot of people will ask me this. Well, preacher, you said if I got saved, I'll never have to die. But yet people that are saved die. Yeah, that's correct. But that's not the first death is not the one I'm talking about. It's the second one. See, we didn't finish reading over there in Revelations where he says, Blessed is the man who has his part 
and the first resurrection. And he said, first, you want to know why? Because there's a second one. You don't want to find yourself standing and having been resurrected at the second resurrection. Why? Everybody that gets a part and takes part of that resurrection goes to the lake of fire after the great white throne judgment. So he said, this is the second death. So if you're born again, you will never experience the second death. You might experience the first death, which is the physical death, but not the second one. So you got to understand your Bible. Now, let me get to this. Someone, Brother Dennis, you wave at me when Brother Terry comes in. I don't want to be late. Chicken. <laughs> Watch this now. Verse 21. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now watch this verse. It's so important in your Bible. But every man in his own order. His own order? He's talking to the church. He's talking about saved people. Christ the first fruits. This is a harvest. Jesus was the first ripe fruits in those Old Testament saints. They went out. First fruits. Watch this. That is a semicolon, meaning he's going to interject and add something, just in case you might forget. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. Which one's that? That's the one we're talking about today, the catching away of the saints. Did you see it? Did you see the first part, the semicolon? And then he says, afterwards, he says, they that are Christ is coming. Now watch it. We'll get the tribulation one too. Watch this. Then cometh the end when he shall be delivered up the kingdom to God. That's the mid-tribulation one. There's three parts to the first resurrection. I bet a lot of you never knew that. Maybe you have never heard that. You say, why? Because we are too focused on the living and we totally miss the word resurrection. Totally don't understand what Paul was talking about, sound doctrine, that Philetus and Hymenaeus was teaching that it had already been passed. Well, they were dumb. Paul said ignorant. I was giving you Todd Gabbard's version, dumb. But you're not ignorant. This mystery there's three parts to this thing. Yes, they were right. There was the first fruits. Christ was the first fruits. You know, it's like planting tomatoes in a garden. They all don't come ripe at the same time. You get those first ones. And you let them ripen on the, on the vine. And you guard them things with your life. You watch out for those squirrels and those birds. And you get them and you get them. And the boy, you get them out and you just, oh, bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich, real mayonnaise, the mayo, nice and thick. Mmm. Yeah. And then you get to thinking about that main harvest where most of them come in. But then you have the gleanings, those that come ripe later. That's what he's talking about here. You see, before we can begin to talk about the catching away of the saints or before we can begin to articulate or someone says, well, I just don't believe in the catching away of the saints. I don't believe in a rapture. Then we must do something with these verses. They're there. They've got to be dealt with. And we believe in rightly dividing the Word of God. You can't just explain them away. This makes the whole Bible fit together in harmony. But Peter warns, he said, now there was a day, there was coming, 
And he says these false teachers would begin to scoff, make fun of people that believed in the catching away of the saints. He says, but I'm telling you, Christ is coming again. I, I loved what the kids, I almost started there in John chapter 14. Did you catch that? He says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go, I will doubtless come again to, to uh, what boy, thinking about chicken. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Did you catch that? Take your Bible to Acts chapter 1, and we're about done. Acts chapter 1. I'm going to have to preach this in two parts, which is good for you. It's good for me. Acts chapter 1, watch. Verse 8. This is Christ getting ready to go. Verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. I believe this year I preached on the holy cloud. Be looking for them clouds. Watch why. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner. Did you catch it? Get those words, like manner. He's not talking about the white horse. He's not talking about when Jesus comes down and sets his foot on Mount Olives at the Battle of Armageddon. He's not talking about that. He says, I'm coming for you. The context and the people group he's talking about is the church. And this angel says, as you've seen him just go up into that cloud, he's coming again in like manner. You can't miss those verses. You can't miss those little words. Or you'll walk away believing something wrong. It is that clear in the Word of God. He said, Preacher, how come you are convinced that we're not going through the tribulation? Well, while we're turning to the right, go to Romans 5, and I'm going to wind us down. There's so much here. Romans 5, verse 9. I preached a message. And why? It's because we needed it on when you get saved, what are you saved from? You remember that? And he says, much more than, verse 9, Romans 5, being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. He's not talking about the wrath of man. He's talking about the wrath of the day of the Lord. That's the tribulation. See, the tribulation, another phrase in the Bible is the time of Jacob's trouble. We didn't take the time this morning, but you get over there in Revelation chapter 14, that the Lord says when the tribulation starts, it will be the time, the day of the Lord means when God begins to deal and pour his wrath out on this earth, and he's dealing with the nation of Israel. See, part of the problem with people is they think God's done with Israel, and he's not. He's not. Now, take your Bible one more time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He says it again. 
Verse 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols, that's repentance, to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. He said, but he didn't say tribulation. These are words you need to understand and know the meaning to. The Thessalonian church thought they were in the tribulation. They had gotten in some, some of this teaching and it kind of was hurting them. And he says, no, you've been saved from the wrath to come. You are not in the tribulation. You're not going through the tribulation. Let me give you and show that to you. Go right to chapter 4. He talks about the catching away of the saints. And then, verse 18, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Chapter 5, verse 1. It starts with but. It's a contrast. He says, but. Because they thought they were in the tribulation. No, you're going to get caught out of here before that. But. Of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, that's where God pours his wrath out. So cometh as a thief in the night, not to us, watch what he does. For when they shall say peace and safety, oh, it's a coming. Then sudden destruction cometh upon us, them as children are travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye brethren, talking to us again, are not in the darkness. That's right, we're not to be dumb about this that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're all the children of the light. Amen. He says, don't you worry about that tribulation. You're out of here because you're children of the day. You get caught up together with Christ before the tribulation starts. It's right here, folks. But you've got to catch those little words. But he says, you're right. Second coming's coming. The tribulation's coming, but not for you. You've been spared from that wrath to come. He said, Brother Gabbard, I've never seen those verses. I understand that. And I sure would not mean to make fun of you. I, I would not do that. You say, yeah, but you've been calling people dumb that were ignorant of this. Well, I'm calling the people that are malicious about it. That are purposely trying to teach and hurt people to overthrow them too. Because they don't like seeing God's people comforted. Now, I might get a little mean with them but not with someone that might just be simply ignorant because they've never had a teacher a pastor to be able to point these words out and folks i will tell you mastery of the bible will be mastering the little words that it won't be the big words it won't be the big fancy the doctrine of the kenosis you say what is that we'll get to that it's a big fancy greek word that means emptying <laughs> in philippians it won't be in the big stuff. It'll be in the little words like like and as. Day of the Lord. Resurrection. Part. Those little words that are so very important. I hope that's brought you some comfort. We'll preach part two next Sunday. And we'll get into maybe more. Unless God leads me on. But it's part of sound doctrine. And we've got to be solid in our belief on it. In Scripture, not just, well, my preacher preaches that. I got that, but you need it. I hope you're all ready for the catching away of the saints. Have you been born again? 
because you've got to be born again. You've got to be born again or you'll miss that. The rapture is only rapture of the church, the catching away of the saints. You've got to be blood-bought to go out in that. There's going to be a lot of people left behind because it's just a rapture for the church, for saved people.